you're about to listen to the Complete Developer Podcast by Coders and Coders about all aspects of life as a developer. If you're hoping to grow the old, commercially experienced developer, my dad will be your best friend, the optimistic Welcome to another episode of Complete Developer Podcast. Before we get started, Will, what have you been fighting this week? I feel like I've been fighting everything. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like some of the stuff I've dealt with at work has been pretty tough. Um, There's some stuff going on, you know, family-wise that's been problematic um, with, you know, from a couple different places. And then... uh, Ten days ago, my my dog bit the neighbor's kid. In the That's face. always yeah, and so we just got her back from the rabies quarantine mm-hmm. today. And you know the dog did wasn't rabid, but you know it's metro rules, so all that stuff's going on. And then you you get to the point where you're you're, you're irritated all the time, and you, you screws up your sleep and and everything what else. What I don't get is Shady's such a sweet dog. Yeah, they they walked her, and she mm-hmm. was sore. Uh, and the neighbor's kid came up and hugged her and, and hadn't really been around bigger dogs and didn't know how to read the body language. And mm, she was kind of cornered. Yeah. Um, I mean, that, that happens. Um, the kid's okay. You know, he's uh, you know, he's had a Band-Aid on, but it was it's kind of scary, you know. Just, yeah. You know, a bite to the face is pretty serious. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so all that's going on. And then I get on Facebook and I see... I think it's a testament to my level of irritation how I react to Facebook. Like it's a it's a really good gauge because most of the time I get on there and I'm like, well, this is a complete waste of time. I'm not going to do anything. But I mean, I saw I've seen some flat out stupid posts. Yeah, you know, I saw one today, and you know, you were in here when we were getting ready, and it was cheese activates. It was cheese activates the same parts of your brain. As hard drugs do, yeah, probably it. So somebody's the release of dopamine. Yeah, you know, somebody's going to take a razor blade and do a hard line of Munster. <laughs> I mean, you know, people go, "Oh, it's really bad because drugs are bad." Okay, it's like that's stupid. You know, it activates the same parts of your brain. Okay, well, I mean, what happens to your visual cortex if I don't know? Let's say you're doing Molly. You know, or MDMA or one of those kind of things. What happens to your visual cortex? Something. Yeah. So therefore, it stimulates the same part of your brain to open your eyes <laughs> as it does to do hard drugs. And I just sit there and I'm itching going, do you people even science? Have you ever scienced? Because you certainly don't grammar. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, a little frustrated. It's, it's like that, that random frustration of dealing with a whole bunch of crap that you, you can't do anything about, but you have to subject yourself to it. And that's where I've been sitting for about two weeks. Okay. So, uh, yeah. And, yeah, Facebook is just irritating me. And, you know, of course, I closed the window. You know, that's, that's why I'm not on there anymore mm-hmm. uh, for the most part. You know, you pretty much never see me. Yeah, so what about you? I've got a few phone interviews this week. Um, places here in Nashville, so I'm kind of kind of excited about that. Getting myself prepped. Um, Any of the uh, 47 people that have called me for a reference? Two of them, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I get the uh, between that and the uh, the recruiter calls, man. It's mm-hmm. it's hardcore. The because uh, a lot of companies, I guess, around here are hiring, and they're hiring you know senior devs, and they want basically all the stuff I've done. Yeah, and all the stuff that the other guy in the office, he who shall not be named, um, has done, and they just you know they'll they'll hammer his phone for a little bit, or they'll hammer mine, and then they hammer the other guy, and it's within a day or two, and you just go, okay, somebody big is hiring. You know, it's it's not even something you think about. Well, that plus the other calls, mm-hmm. like, wow. I'm, I'm sitting here going, man, I'm glad my phone actually has a good battery because <laughs> <laughs> the phone I used to have. Like it would be dead by noon, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad to see that you're doing doing some interviews. Hopefully, hopefully we can get you something. Yeah, kind of started working on a new project, uh, basically creating a uh, a mobile friendly site to pull our podcasting statistics because the uh, the CDN we use for hosting it, they do all the statistics for us, 
but their website is not extremely mobile friendly, and it's kind of difficult to get to the stats. Yeah, you gotta you gotta build that and then just like show it to them. That's the plan. Yeah, that I mean, because that would be good just just in general, and you can show people that you do mobile. Mm-hmm. And that will put you in a completely different spot than you're in right now. Well, uh, I think I mentioned before, a lot of the interviews I've had have been asking me about Angular. Yeah, it's something that I put on my resume because I've been learning it, and it's something I I enjoy and want to learn more. So I'm using Angular on the front end for this. You were the one that told me to um, to hold off on learning jQuery till I got a good grasp on vanilla JavaScript, and I'm very glad you told me that because yeah. I did. I wrote a few apps in just pure JavaScript before starting to play around with jQuery, and now now that I've done that and I'm using jQuery and Bootstrap and Angular. I have a much better understanding of what it's doing, yeah, and why it, it's helping so much, um, and how to use it. Really, like I took. Um, well, if it doesn't do something you want it to do, you've got a fallback plan too. Yeah, exactly. Or you can. Well, I would say you can look at the code. You can if you don't look at the minified JavaScript. I would suggest not looking at minified JavaScript if there's any way you can avoid it. But well, you can figure out what's going on at least. There's they've got the JavaScript formatters that. Yeah, I mean, just having useful variable names is quite nice. Let's just say that I've had a, a little bit of experience with <laughs> minified and obfuscated JavaScript of late. What was it you said? Uh, it's all open source if you believe enough. Yeah, all JavaScript yeah. is open source if you believe enough. Yeah. <laughs> I love that quote. It's funny how you only hear from the people that like something when you change it. I have heard from people that liked the original IOT's music. Wow. <laughs> They're like wrong. <laughs> I like the new one. I like the new one so much better. Well, um, one of the Jasons we know. You know which one it wasn't because one of them wrote the new song, the new music. But uh, texted me at twelve thirty last week. Like right like after this, it came out. Right after it came out, he downloaded it and listened to it and texted me that. Uh, that he didn't like the new music. He said, I like the old music. Well, he didn't say he didn't like it. He said it- he didn't like it as much. Uh, I, I remember you, because I think you forwarded that on to me or something. And, no. and I was like, it's the middle of the night. <laughs> what? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> what is this phone flashing? Because I think I like looked at it and I just put the phone face down. I'm like, I, I'm not even. <laughs> I got to get up in the morning. I don't... I don't <laughs> Okay, we, we release yeah. at midnight on Thursday so that people who have auto-downloads, it's already downloaded for them when they get up and go to work in the morning. They it's just something you don't have to stress about. Yeah. And um, so I've been working on the website uh, a lot lately. Uh, big shout-out to Brandy Young at Big Active Audience. She did a spotlight on our show, uh, teardown basically of our website and our Twitter account. And, yeah, and that was hugely helpful. Um, yeah, and I talked to her on um, Founder Cafe. Yeah, about doing that, but I didn't know it was as far along as it was. And uh, yeah, that was that was great. Oh, yeah, having a, an outside perspective. And well, then, our bounce rate has dropped. Yeah, it has you know, substantially. I got in Google Analytics, and I can't I can't completely pin everything down on it mm-hmm. because this sort of stuff you've got several things moving at once you know, our bounce rate is much lower than it was and so I think that's that's really making a difference now I spent two or three afternoons working on the site first on the the main site and then pretty much all of yesterday afternoon working on the mobile site. Yeah. and I completely redid our mobile site and really like the way it looks now yeah and it's quick oh yeah I dropped us down to under a second load time. Yeah, which, I, you know, I really thought you were going to have to cache more heavily and do some other things, and it just, it, it, it really, it went a lot better than I, than I thought it was going to. So, yeah, uh, big shout out to her. That was, that was, that was a huge, huge help. So, uh, I guess it's time to uh, roll the new music. Yes, and uh, something we can't really complain about because it's, it's really good. I do enjoy it. Yeah. This week for IOTs, I uh, have something 
that related to IoT, but uh, it's a blog post titled The Useless Side of the Internet of Things. And it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, it's not a very long blog, but it kind of hits some of the highlights of uh, just some of the areas that the Internet of Things has gone where it's just completely useless. And uh, even gives some some fake examples of things that uh, seem more useful than some of the what is actually produced so far. It's it's kind of funny and a really good read. I'd suggest that there will be a link in the uh, in the show notes for you guys to take a look at. And uh, it's at motherboard.vice.com. This week uh, we're going to talk about. Kind of how to be a coder and have a family. Yeah, and I think a lot of people don't do this very well, or at least it's it's one of those things that takes a little bit of trial and error. It, it seems like a lot of people tend to think, at least the ones that I know who do have families, it, it seems to be almost a binary thing. It's like either I'm in the coder mindset or I'm in the family mindset, and it's not integrated well. I would express it as a sigmoid curve. Okay. You know, and there's very little in the middle, mm-hmm. um, which is unfortunate because the middle is actually where you want to be. Um, so I guess before we get really into it, I, I do want to make a point here that there's a thing going around. There's a phrase that you've probably heard of before, and it's called work-life balance. Um, balance tends to imply that there's one side bigger than the other, you know, that it's, that it's an even scale, and that's really not... You know, when you we, at least people tend to think of it as a balance scale, not a balancing act. Ah, uh, gotcha, gotcha. I'm I'm just thinking of you know, Anakin was supposed to bring balance to the force. Well, he did. There was there were two good Jedi's and there were two bad Jedi's left, and everybody else died. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Um, no spoilers, bro. <laughs> if you haven't. Uh, and get there, we really can't help you. It's part of culture now. Anyway, so back to it. So the whole work-life balance thing. There's there's several problems with this. Um, if you go onto any number of websites that you know, that talk about this sort of stuff, they have a very strange mindset about it that you balance work and life, and that's not really how it works out for most people. Uh, and what do you mean by that? Okay. Well, the first thing is is that work and life are not separate. It's not oil and water. It's water and salt. They or blend together. Yeah, it's you have moments of your personal life that intrude upon work and vice versa. So it's not it's not quite oil and water. It's not quite oil and or it's not quite water and salt. It's well, it, more it, like it seems. I could see the water and salt because your life is everything that happens to you, and work is one part of it. So that work would be the salt, and your life would be the water, where work is part of. Yeah, well, I mean, you think about why you work. Most no. of us, uh, you know, at least most of us that have families, and I, I would say it's probably true to some degree for the single guys as well, single, the single coders. Um, you, you would not be working at the, the amount that you're doing if it wasn't for family or the potential of having a family. Um, so, so that's one place where this this whole thing falls down. And the, you know, the fact is, this things mix. So you're going to have to occasionally work late or deal with work problems off the clock. Servers go down. You have clients. You have somebody paying. You know, that, that money that comes into your checking account every month, yeah, it comes through your employer, but it goes through your employer. It doesn't come from your employer. And, you know, that's just a fact of, of how the economic system works. So at some point, you're going to have to deal with work problems when you're not at work just by virtue of that. The other thing that will happen is is personal stuff will happen during the day. Your kids at school during the day. Your wife has work problems or work drama during the day. Everybody's up during the day. Somebody dies in the family, and you find out about it during the daytime. Yeah, I think for me personally, the harder thing to deal with is a personal issue that happens during the work day Absolutely. than a work issue that happens off the clock because. Well, I can, can very get a different job. 
Well, I was going to say, it's really, if it really comes out bad, it's a lot easier to switch jobs than to switch families. Well, yeah, I was more going switching mindsets. It's easier for me to switch from a off time mindset to work time mindset than to switch from work time mindset to off time mindset. Yeah, and that, you know that's a fact of the way your discipline is because if you were able to switch to a personal time mindset on the clock easily you do it too much. Which, I mean, this, this kind of comes into it the other way, too, because it's very easy to, to switch from the personal time mindset to the work mindset yeah. and stay there way too often. I can and, see that, And yeah. so that's what this episode is kind of going to get into because we have a tendency that is reinforced by the way that we make a living. Now, the other thing, too, is... Side. I would say as developers, the reason that we we can switch to that work mindset so easily is because a lot of us... That's how we think. Yeah, it's how we think, and that's we love what we do to the point that I know you come home from work and code on side projects. Yep. Um, and if I'm not doing side projects, I'm learning something. Yeah. And me, I mean, I, I'm in the process of finding a, a job in coding, but at my other job... I come home and I spend my evenings on the computer either editing the podcast or writing a blog post or coding. And all of that is about coding. Yeah. And we kind of are in a unique position because you know, I know a lot of artists that you know probably paint and things like that during the day. They probably do go home and they do that stuff at night. Um, but... You know, as far as people that have high income careers, that's not real common. Where well, that passion really follows them home, and it's not—it's not very common in the. Well, for one thing, you just can't. But you know, I think the core thing here is that when you're trying to figure out this work-life balance thing, which is completely mythical, you know, it's—it's it's almost like we're looking at the problem from the wrong side. The focus on time spent is probably not the best one. It's more about quality than quantity. Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Because okay. you, you, know, you spend 12 hours a day at work. Well, did you get four hours worth of work done? You know, the first thing is your, the length of your work day is not particularly negotiable. Like, there's expectations around how long you work. Like, even if you get eight hours worth of work done in six hours, if you leave at the six-hour mark, that gets noticed. And they're not going to notice what you did. They're going to notice when you left. Uh, that kind of is that's something that's industry specific because outside of development and outside of kind of a business world, there are certain areas where it doesn't matter how long you're there, but it matters how much you do. So when you get the work done, you yeah. can leave. And I've had jobs in the past that were like that. And I have, I've had a few development positions that were somewhat like that in general. It's it's not particularly negotiable how long you work. Even, you know, it's like, oh, well, you've got eight hours worth of work done in four hours. Why don't you get 16 hours worth of work done in eight? Yeah, I can see that. Even though we both know that that doesn't scale, that, that ends up being the expectation because it just it just shifts the expectation. It, it may be you spend four hours at the beginning of the day working on something that you get one hour of work done and then the next four hours are extremely productive because you got the really, really hard thing out of the way. Yeah. Or, you know, there's that whole, you know, sometimes you can find your work, your flow early in the day and you can get, I mean, like today I probably got, I think after lunch, the first hour and a half after lunch, I probably I got almost as much done as I expected to do by then, but it was only the first hour and a half after lunch that I was actually productive today. Doing mostly personal and freelance work lately, I have found I work best when I get up around 7, 6.37, have a cup of coffee, walk my dog, and get some sunlight. Kind of get that vitamin D going. Yeah, that's why I walk for lunch whenever yeah. I can. I, I get that. That just kind of gives me a boost. I was uh, just today. Uh, my dad and I went down and worked on uh, on 
their second house and uh, about halfway down there it hit me and I was like oh yeah I'm out in the sunlight that's kind of giving me like that boost of energy because I was like why am I so awake I haven't had my coffee yet yeah and um, but I get out and I walk a couple times a day for the the same reason and we used to do that when we were in college that's something I really miss about where we lived is it was really convenient to do that but what what I'm getting at you walked around smoking a pipe like a freaking hipster too Let's be honest, man. I mean, you had like the you had the corn cob pipe thing coming out there. Hey, man, like I was that. a hipster before being a hipster was cool. That was that was meta. I like that. <laughs> um, no, no. What I'm getting at is, I find I get up, I get my coffee, I get my sunlight in the morning, and I work great for three or four hours, and I eat lunch, and then I'm exhausted. Yeah. And if I lay down, remember, I'm working from home, so when I work, doesn't matter. I could work at 2 a.m. And nobody cares. Yeah, um, but if I lay down around right after lunchtime for about an hour, I get up and I get really productive when I get up. Yeah. The other thing, you know, as far as time spent is your spouse's or your significant other's schedule is similarly not particularly negotiable. My wife is a school teacher. She has a time she's supposed to be there and a time she's supposed to leave. And then there's the time she actually leaves, which is later. Um, because you know, school teachers, they kind of they kind of fudge a little bit on what the expectation actually is. It, it ends up being a lot longer day than what is actually on the schedule. I've heard a lot of people mock school teachers for... You know, oh, you get off at three, and it's like, no, you no, don't. They don't. Like, they you get off at like four thirty, maybe. Also, the average developer doesn't have to deal with like a room full of twenty thirteen year olds. No, they just have to deal with a room full of autistics and a server that's on fire. About the same. Yeah. <laughs> as, as an aside, I'll, I'll tell this joke, and you know, hopefully, you'll leave it in. I guess fairly early in my marriage, my wife teaches special ed, and she was talking about. She goes, well, you don't understand what it's like dealing with a large number, you know, dealing with several people that are on the autism spectrum. (laughs) Well, actually, I'm a software developer. I deal with them after they leave people like you. Not, you know, not that you didn't fix them or anything, but yeah, we've got, we got our people. So another thing is, is time spent is not the same thing as focus. And you, you kind of got into this a minute ago. Um, it's really, and this is something I've, I've learned a lot as I've had a development career and a family, is it's more important to be in the moment that you're actually in. It's a little bit cliche, but like, don't take your work phone to your kid's soccer game and be working during the game. Be at the game. You know, so you, you do one thing at a time. You don't try to work while you're doing family stuff because you're going to be crap at both. And you don't try to do family stuff at your desk at the office for the most part. Sometimes you... Sometimes you have to fudge a little bit because that's not a real hard and fast rule. But most of the time when you're doing the wrong thing in the wrong place, it doesn't work. And you spend more time than you need to to do the thing, and you do it poorly. And that's true on either side. Focus is also a lot more noticeable in the way others view you than time is. People don't... And I know I said earlier, like your employer will notice when you leave and come in early. That's kind of a proxy for your focus because they're like, oh, he's more focused on his life than he is on what he's getting done. But for most people, they're not seeing when you're there and when you leave. They see what the output is. I'll give you an example. Would you rather have a friend that spends an hour a week with you but is totally focused on hanging out? Or would you rather have a friend who can spend a couple days in a row with you but is always messing with their phone? I don't have the first, to be honest. Yeah, everybody would, because that's an actual friend versus some dude that's sitting there with you. This is kind of what we're talking about with the whole family thing is it's the focus is what gets remembered. What is your daughter going to remember? Yeah, she's going to remember playing Super Nintendo, probably. Yeah. And And she's going to remember me coming over every Monday night and recording this and goofing off with her until we started recording. Yeah. And that's just you know, that's just the way that works. So I kind of want to go through a few lessons I've learned. Um, I've kind of gone through the entire relationship cycle as a coder. Like I already had a professional development career when Kathleen and I started dating. 
and you know going through the whole you know dating relationship engagement marriage you know honeymoon childbirth early childhood you know marital difficulties and other things and I know this is going to sound incredibly blunt when I say it but your significant other probably does not care about coding unless they're a coder I would say they don't yeah full stop they care about you um, they care about what you do they just really don't care about the details yeah well and you know it's it's like my wife is a special ed teacher and I come back to this because she always talks about you know the IEPs and all this stuff that these special ed kids have Besides the fact that there's a lot of terminology in there that's really hard to get your head around because you're not in that space, there's a fact of I don't, I don't, I didn't want to do that, so I, I didn't do that. So, which, which I think is really fascinating with our friendship and the friendship I have with your wife is I've got the psychology background, so and you got the young young child. Yeah, I, yeah, too. I taught preschool, so I I speak that language. I speak. The coding language, even back in college, I spoke it because yeah. I did it in high school. But you spoke biology and psychology because those were things you were interested in. Just because your significant other doesn't care about coding doesn't mean they don't care about you. Right? No, that's those, a good point. Those are two very different things. It's very easy to misinterpret either you know them caring about you as they care about your day-to-day, like how you optimized a for loop. On that note, this is a feature, not a bug. It really is because, I mean, honestly, do you want to come home and you want to talk about work the entire time? Because why not just be working the entire? I mean, you know, it's it sort of helps enforce a barrier that is psychologically healthy. It really does. I mean, good grief! Even if your significant other is a coder, and we know a few people who are married to fellow coders. Yeah, and I can't imagine that they talk about code all the time. I, mean, I can think of two of them in particular that they're way too fun and way too well adjusted. Uh, uh, that's that exactly who I was thinking true. about. Yeah, I was just like, there is no way because both of them are. They do too many other things. Like, yeah. they, there's just no way. And it's, it, it is actually a feature of the relationship that lets you get away from work. Another thing is, is like that constant obsession with computers. If you indulge that and you let it eat up all your time, you actually become less of a good programmer. It will damage your career. I can totally see that. Because you can't relate to other people and you don't have outside experience. It's like over-focusing on one muscle while weightlifting. If you're the guy that has a bicep that's 27 inches around, but your wrist is normal size, well, if you try to actually lift something, you're going to break your own arm. You know, it's just not... It's a completely unbalanced worldview. Another thing is, quite frankly, a lot of coders whine a lot because, honestly, most code written is crap. Let's just throw that out there. And most of us run into things. I ran into stuff today that was pretty atrocious code. I will not be discussing that with my wife. Well, you don't really want to appear to be a whiner. Exactly. Because you talk about something that kills attraction. And besides the fact that it just makes other people miserable to have to listen to that. It's something that makes you miserable. Do you really want to make other people miserable? Especially people in your house. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm, I'm completely okay with making other people miserable so long as they don't live with me. Yes, you are. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's one of those things that, like, when you actually think through the ultimate consequences, this is stupid. Like, don't yeah. do that. You know, another point, which, I mean, I raised this earlier, is live in the moment. Don't be working while you're out with the family, like, actually doing something. It's okay to, you know, like, if I go to the in-laws and they're all hanging out and they're watching TV, they're doing their thing, I can work. Another thing is, is don't bring baggage from home to work. It's particularly important and the, the converse is also true right you don't you don't bring stuff from work home like yeah, you I'm keep gonna... that barrier and yeah okay so the next thing is be conscientious of your attractiveness <laughs> I mean it's gonna slip age and stress and all these other things are gonna eventually take you but you know the biggest thing is, is don't get fat and soft I mean I did that you know at, at one point during the marriage and yeah, my wife kind of called me on it. And Very validly. Yeah, because I was. If you remember, and you know, of course we started training and we are throwing each other around and, you know, and... and I remember when we started training again, we'd both kind of gotten bigger. Well, all three of us, the other friend of ours that did martial arts with us. And uh, 
you were able to fit into because I'm kind of a heftier. Yeah. Like my build is different from yours, and you were able to fit into the the gi or yeah, the, the uniform, uniform. Yeah. That I wore in college. Yeah. And you were able to fit into his old uniform, and he had to buy another one. Yes. If I remember correctly. Right. <laughs> That's like, exactly and, the way it was. Yeah. But it's not so much the, the weight as it is the softness. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're muscled up or you're, you know, you're fit and you're heavier, that doesn't matter as much as if you're flabby. And, we, you know, I, I was kind of there. So it's, it's very important to be conscientious of your attractiveness because, again, you know, you, you, you want to keep the your significant other Attractive around. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's just, that's a baseline that makes a lot of things easier. Another thing is, is don't get locked, so locked into work that you don't take care of your partner. Um, I've been guilty of that a few times. Um, you know, in the marriage, it's it's a tricky balance right now with the amount of stuff that I've got that I have to deal with. You know, part of that is um, actually being present. That was a thing that I didn't do very well. I was at work 40 to 50 hours a week, and I was thinking about work like 90 hours a week. You know, now I'm at work 65 to 70 hours a week, but when I'm not at work, like when we watch X-Files, I'm watching X-Files with my wife. Yeah, but the only, the only time you're not at work and you're thinking about work is when we're talking about it on the podcast. Yeah. And it's just, it's better segmented and it's more focused. I mean, gosh, it works so much better. Like, I'm more productive, you know, even in, in a 40-hour work week now than I was in a 70-hour work week because I'm completely present. You're completely present at both places. Yeah. Really. And, and that kind of leads right into don't fail to keep good boundaries because good boundaries is how you do that. It, it really does. Like, I don't... My employer, or well, the company I'm contracting for that I hope very soon becomes an employer. I mean, I hope, I hope to have news probably by the time this podcast airs on that. I, I will be honest with you; I would be surprised if I'd be. I'd be surprised that they don't too, because it's it's just a very good. It, it's a good fit for you, and I think you're a good fit for them. Yeah, but the thing is, is I don't, you know, and I know this sounds kind of bad. If my wife is going through drama. I don't allow that to overtake work time. And if things are going on at work, I don't bring them home. There's a wall there, and things don't cross it. It's like a blood-brain barrier. There's not going to be a whole lot go across that. You you go through things, and you kind of want to keep that firewall off. And we're going to get into this when we talk about resilience. Another thing is take time for yourself. Some of the worst time periods in my marriage have been where I worked all the time. I felt like I was working all the time. And then when I wasn't working, I was either dealing with, you know, stuff going on with Kathleen or stuff going on with our daughter. Like, I felt like there was no time for me. That really doesn't work very well. You can do it for a week or two. But after that point, it gets pretty psychologically unhealthy really quick because you start to feel like, okay, why am I alive? And, you, know, you kind of have to unwind stuff. And if you're always around other people, always dealing with other people's stuff, you can't. And that, that's true. And that's the benefit of having of having friends that understand that you're going through stuff and that can, can see that. Dragging kicking and screaming back to sanity. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like, yes. Yeah, let's not put that in any other way other than what it is. Um, okay, so you know, we've discussed that you know in the realm of significant others. So now let's let's talk about children. Um, the first thing is you know, kids do add complexity. Mm-hmm. Like the underlying relationship is there, but there's a few other pieces that get in there. Um, you'll notice that kids are kind of last on the list. Uh, you know, or second to last. I wrote the outline, and then you know I wrote more of the outline. <laughs> But that happens. There's a reason kids are last on the list is because the other is the baseline. And most of the things from the marriage list apply and they have to be in place and working before anything with kids really happens. Like to be can, su- to, to be successful and maintain success, I can see that because yeah, I you seen, can't fake it for very long. No. I look at my youngest sister and she may be listening to this podcast. It really is. Hi, Lori. Hi, Lori. Yeah. My nephew is a honeymoon baby. You know, they had been married just a few months when they found out she was pregnant with my nephew. And they were still in the process of developing the other stuff. Yeah. And there's never enough time 
mm-hmm. for that, even if you've been married two or three years, and it feels like an interloper. Yes, you you know it's it's always going to have that. And and the great thing for them though is they both wanted kids. Things get more challenging when you have a kid. I'm going to completely nerd out here. Do you remember from physics what happens when you have two bodies in space that are in a gravitational arrangement? Yes. Uh, like you have a barycenter and two things rotate around it. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I see where you're going with this. When you add a third one, what happens to the predictability of the motions of the other two? Yeah, there isn't any. That's children. I see what you're see the point you're making here. That makes sense. Though. You can embrace that or not, but it will be there. And you know, a lot of people are very successful and they embrace it. And it, so it, it's a, effectively a three body problem, but it's psychological. Uh, you know, because babies cry in the middle of the night. You know, small children come downstairs. They've wet the bed. They've had a nightmare. Kids are different than spouses, which is duh. Yeah, that's a bit obvious because. <laughs> The thing with spouses is they remember their own parents. Kids do not. Kids have parents right now. So, like, whatever you give them is what they remember. That makes sense. And that's an extremely heavy responsibility that you need to think about. And, you know, what kind of life do you want to set up for your kid in such a way that it actually enables them versus disables them? If you're dealing with stuff appropriately, that can be an absolutely amazing experience for the child. And it's something that they'll remember for their life and they will be better off for. However, if you screw it up, there's no end to the problems. Here's the last piece of controversial advice, and I did not put it in the outline explicitly. The most important relationship between you and your kids is between you and your spouse. Yeah, I'm kind of leaving a little bit of dead air here because that really doesn't sink in with people. I mean, it's not its not that you're a bad person if you get divorced or something like that. What really makes kids dysfunctional when they grow up, a lot of that comes from the interaction of their parents. That makes perfect sense. You, um, you know, my daughter is learning what a man is supposed to be by the way I act. Whether I want that to happen or not, that's that's the way that that flows. You learn how a woman is supposed to act by your mother. Do you, Even if other experiences maybe change some of that, the base is there. Do you remember the movie Gladiator? Like, it, it's at the beginning where they're about to charge into the line of Germanics, and Maximus is talking to the soldiers. And he, he said, you know, what we do in life echoes in eternity. That's children. That makes perfect sense. That really does. I mean, you do something screwed up and your children see it, you are throwing a bomb into the future. Like, that doesn't mean you should be freaked out by it and, like, constantly, you know, like, psychologically tensed up about it. But you need to be aware of that, that there's downstream consequences. I, mean, I can see that even with my nieces and my nephew. It's, well, I'll be honest, my nieces and nephew think the world of me. I'm all nieces and nephews do. Yeah, I, I'm the uncle that lets them come over and play video games, and you know they can hold the controller and drop it if they want, and I'm not mad at them. Yeah, everybody's got their own controller when they come to my place, and it just yeah. because honestly, I remember being five years old and wanting to do the things the older kids did, but not getting to, and so I let them. I mean, good grief! I this remember my for- uncle. Uh, my uncle let me slop the hogs. <laughs> 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 Which is totally a McMinnville, Tennessee thing, I guess. <laughs> uh, you know, I get to feed the hogs, and uh, well, I mean, I, it you know what turns I did? Out he and my grandfather really just didn't want to carry that bucket over there. <laughs> but uh, you know, it was great for me. You felt like you were awesome. Yeah, I felt like okay, I'm actually helping out, and it was just you know, and you were helping out. I was. That's the they, thing. Didn't, they didn't want to do anything. They but, didn't um, want to do it, and. You were helping. It was totally valid. Yeah, but no, what what I'm getting at is one of the things that my sister told me my nieces were really looking forward to this past Christmas was coming up and playing video games and spending time with me. Yeah. Like, I I wouldn't say, I don't want to say we got in trouble, but their, their favorite thing, like every time I was at my parents' house, they asked, 
hey, can we go over to Uncle BJ's and play video games? Given all that, like, I didn't want to put that in the outline because not couching it. Like, if you don't take care of your relationship with your significant other, your kids will suffer. I, you know, Kathleen and I both have this thing. We put each other first before our daughter, and that's a way of putting our daughter in a better situation because it's very easy when you have a child to put the child first. Children are basically their blessing and all that, but they're also a bottomless pit of wants and needs. And if you don't take care of your spouse and you take care of your kid, your kid first, the spouse will never get taken care of. And I would say this applies even more if you are divorced. I would agree with that. Because... From what I've, you know, from what I've seen of, of friends that have gone through that, having having seen it almost firsthand from my my ex wife, like seeing what divorce was like when the parents did not get along, even when the kids were adults and the parents still didn't get Especially, along. Especially, I have that in my family, yeah. and and it's then, still an issue. And it happened before I was born, and I'm 36 years old now. It is still causing a schism today. Like that wound will not close Mm -hmm. until everybody that remembers it is dead. And then I see my ex-wife's stepmom and her ex-husband getting along great. Like, he came to every Christmas. Yeah. Every event that they had. Good grief. I remember when they... We went to their wedding anniversary party for her dad and her stepmom. Her stepmom's ex-husband came with his girlfriend, who is now his wife. Yeah, and his friends with the ex. Yeah, and, and, and I know a couple like that. And, you know, I mean, I know they had some rough times, and actually the wives, the you know, the wife and the ex-wife, almost tried not to like each other. And then they're great friends now. It just... They like they tried not to work, not to work it out, and they did because they just they were like you're awesome. The last piece um, I've got here is how to handle survival mode, and you know I guess I want to preface this by saying that there's always going to be a time when something major happens that overwhelms everything else. My wife and I have had that. My parents had that. My grandparents had that, and it, it goes back to. Probably when we crawl down out of the trees and start throwing rocks at large predators, it's important to have that in your head that that's going to happen because when it when it sneaks up on you, it's a whole lot worse than when you're going, okay, am I seeing this coming? You know, it's, it's sort of like we were talking about the conflict resolution stuff. That we're, you know, it's going to be in a future episode. It's one of those things that you have to. It's easier to deal with if you see it coming and if you know that it is eventually coming. It's you know, it's always in the room. Get your mental state to optimal before you do anything else. Like, don't do anything rash. When you're in crisis mode, figure out how to get from point A to point B and then deal with things. Don't deal with things when you're stressed out. That's conflict resolution 101, really. It's... It is, but it's awful hard to remember in the moment. It, oh, well, yeah. You know, coming out of a martial arts background, you can remember, oh, I do this wrist lock this way, and I push here, and I you know, twist this, and I do that, and the guy falls. Yes. When somebody's throwing a punch at your head, that plan doesn't work. It's as, well, Mike Tyson said, and this is, this is one of my favorite quotes, Mike, if you're out there, man, for some crazy reason you're listening to a development podcast... I want your signature on something that says everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. I love that quote. I I want that I, too. I want that on I want that in a frame on every project management wall in the country. That would make a great motivational poster. It is because that's life. And it's that way with your marriage. Everybody has a plan until something hits them in the face. You know, so get your mental state to optimal. Like don't don't over-emotionalize your reaction. To some degree, you can't. Another thing to remember is that your spouse, and especially your kids, even if, you're, even if you and your spouse break up, your kids are still in your life. And they're going to be even after a job is gone. Because most if, people, you know, people that work 40 years, and even if you work 40 years, your kids are still your kids after 40 years. Even after a divorce, if you have kids? Your spouse is still in your life. Yeah, they really are. I mean, at least at bare minimum until your kids are 18. Even then. Even even after that. There is no release but death. From what I've seen. You need to understand the marital vow in a different light. 
until yeah. death do us part doesn't mean that you're living apart. It means that you're bound forever. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons I'm glad that my ex-wife and I did not have kids is we're both able to move on with our lives. To some degree, yeah. I mean, that's always going to be in the background, right? Well, yeah, but it, it's it, it, we don't have in we don't have that we don't have a financial responsibility and a social and psychological and and other things responsibility. But we can move on with our lives. They're without still that. there. Like I mean, if you honestly, if you ran into her, you would not be emotionally neutral, and neither would she. Well, no, no. I mean, that's that would be ridiculous you, you, to consider. We would be. You carry the other forever. If you disown your parents or vice versa, they disown your actions. They don't really disown you because you're still their child. Like that, that bond doesn't break. And it's, that's an important thing to remember because it's it's better to heal that bond and to make that bond work than to try and act like there is no bond. In, in all those cases and it's it's even better you know like in a divorced couple to go okay they have their life I have my life we're still we're still friends we don't hate each other on that line I would say not to make major decisions about non-survival things when you're in survival mode yeah I mean you know if you're on the Titanic and it's sinking this sounds really trite don't, don't think about like what color your drapes are at home get on the lifeboat yeah. Then get home. And if you still hate them, then change the color of the drapes. <laughs> Don't freeze to death in North Atlantic. Yes. Figuring that out. Yeah, so it's a prioritization thing, and it's a how to be a functional human being thing. And if you're a Leonardo DiCaprio, Dude. you can fit on that door frame. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> Man, I hated that part of that movie. It's like, really? <laughs> Everybody did. You know, yeah, but the thing is, he died because it was effective as a story point. Yes, it was. However, what's effective as a story point is not effective as a functional way to live your life. In fact, like if you're living something that seems like something out of a George R.R. Martin life, you know, novel, maybe that's time for an adjustment. If I mean, like if you look at Game of Thrones and you go. Hey, that's just like my life. Maybe that's a time to kind of, I don't know, maybe refactor some things. You know what? I would even say, like, let's go to the extreme here. If you're living your life like a Lifetime movie, something's wrong. Because that's not reality. Reality is not a sequence of dramatic actions. Reality is a sequence of paying the bills, flushing the toilet, and taking out the garbage. Exactly. And on that note... I think that kind of wraps up everything we have to say. So before we close out the episode, Will, what do you have for us this week for Tricks of the Trade? I, I kind of want to uh, want to reiterate something that we talked about before. Um, you know how we discussed there's a lot of developers that are that are starting to learn how to code and you know how you and I both can kind of start to pick out the people that are going to be successful and the ones Mm -hmm. that aren't and the biggest thing with all of them that we're pretty sure are going to do okay is that they're trying to be an expert at one thing and you know versus versus the other people that are like oh i'm going to learn like eight different languages and i can write hello world and everything and as a junior developer learning my way into the community i can completely understand that mentality because you want to be that polyglot because you yeah. see people that are. What you don't realize, I guess, is is the amount of time it takes to actually get up to a, a point where you're actually effective. Okay, like think about computer languages in the terms that you would think about human languages. You can get proficient in Spanish enough to you know order and, and talk to people in a year. Good, solid, steady practice. Yeah, you cannot. Unless you've got some kind of weird mental thing going on, you know, unless you're four or five standard deviations out, you can't go, okay, well, in a year, I'm going to get fluent in uh, Spanish, French, Russian, Icelandic, and Japanese. Okay, go. You're not going to be able to talk to anybody in any of those languages effectively. Like, even if you stuck within, like, the five Romantic languages. Yeah. 
Like they they are very very similar, but you would still. And this is why you can learn you can learn JavaScript and C sharp at the same time, or JavaScript and Java, mm-hmm. or C and JavaScript, or. Yeah, you should learn JavaScript. I will throw that out there because it's getting so common; it's crazy not to. But you know, you can learn. You can kind of get a little bit of, of multiple C-based languages at the same time. But when they don't have a common ancestor back there, you're going to have a bad time if you don't specialize. Uh, let's all bear in mind here that the reason we have civilization is because we have specialization. Because otherwise, we would all be polyglots, right? We could make our own flint tools. We could hunt our own animals. We could skin our own animals. We could, you know, make our own bone needles and, like, sew stuff up. And we'd freeze to death in a cave and die at the age of 35. What are you talking about? I can do all of that. Right. It's called Minecraft. Yeah. <laughs> but, so, so bear this in mind, the same constraints apply just to kind of... You know, be cognizant of that, and just go. Just try and get significant depth in one thing before you start trying to get more depth in other things. You can always become a polyglot. Like, I mean, I can I can program reasonably well um, in JavaScript. I'm actually very very comfortable doing very stupid things in JavaScript, like ridiculous stuff that's hard. Um, and I'm very comfortable in C sharp. I'm very comfortable in SQL. I'm okay in uh, Ruby and Python, but that came over time. You know, that's well over a decade, and so I just want to kind of reiterate the point that specialization will help you. That's how you get specialization is how you get more money, and generalization is how you get more stability. So a good balance. Eventually, yes. Eventually, but right because the first thing that you're probably trying to do early in your career is get your income up. Because you got student loans to repay, you want to move out of your parents' place, etc. Once you're stable enough, you know, once you've got enough income that you're comfortable, then you learn more things so that you can apply your skills in more areas. So it's it's just it's more of a strategic decision. If you have a question or comment for us, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Stand By for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed under Creative Commons. The intro music for IOTs is Hillbilly Hip Hop by Jason Belcher. For references, show notes, and to sign up to our email list, be sure and check out the website at www.completedeveloperpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod and like our page on Facebook to keep up with news about the show. Thanks for listening. See you next time.